So this is James chapter 2, and we're looking at verses 14 to 26 this morning. So James, the brother of the Lord Jesus, writes, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily foods, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was working, faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word, that by your spirit you nourish us with it, and we ask that you would do that today. I ask for those who are feeling weighed down with life, sensitive to their own failings in the Christian life, that you would comfort them through your word this morning, that you would strengthen their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And for those of us who need rebuke and challenge, who are complacent, who are perhaps professing but not truly believing. We pray that by your spirit we would receive your implanted word that is able to save. And that we too would be pointed again to the wonder and the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Father, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts this morning would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, children, I wonder if you have a favorite sports team, or or maybe if you aren't yet of the age of supporting a team, a favorite sport you like to play. Uh, Adults, you might have your own favorite sport team as well. Uh, We live very near uh, Elland Road, which is where Leeds United play. 
want you to imagine, and, and you will have to imagine, that uh, I told you I am a Leeds United supporter. They are my favorite team. I support them. They are, right, I'm blue and yellow, uh, Leeds United. Now, how would you know that? Well, if you ask me some questions, spend time with me, you might say, well, do you have any Leeds United tops that you like to wear? And if I said, I, I don't actually have any Leeds United clothes, no tops, not even socks. Okay. Well, then you might say, well, what do you think about the current manager? They've been through quite a lot. What do you think about the, the current one? And I said, well, I don't actually know his name, but he's probably all right. Okay, well, you continue on. Well, what about last Friday's game? How do you feel the team played? And I give you this look that makes you realize they played on Friday, really? I didn't know. And then you say, well, get this, I have a spare ticket to the next home match. Why don't you come with me to the game? I'm, I'm busy, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't think I can make it. And then you're sort of at the end of yourself, you say, well, have you ever even watched a Leeds United match, even on the telly? I say, yeah. I actually have never seen a single Leeds United match, but let me tell you, they are my team. Right. Really? Are they really my team? Are they the ones I support? Is it true? Well, I'm not giving you any reason to actually believe that that's true. And whilst we're not talking about football, that is the issue that the Lord wants to speak to you and me about this morning. People who say, I'm a fan, but there is no reality to that claim. Or in the words of James, those who say they have faith, I have faith, but it is a dead faith that does not save. James knows there's the possibility of empty profession. And so he, he kindly warns us against it. We started into the letter of James a couple of weeks ago. Uh, James, the brother of the Lord Jesus, is writing to challenge a double-minded church. Those with, with split loyalties. We want to love the Lord and we want to love the world. And, and James wants us to be whole, undivided. And we saw at the beginning of chapter 1 that uh, sort of the first solution to being undivided was to behold God's goodness. This is who the Lord is. Then last week, we were challenged to respond rightly to God's goodness. This is who he is. Respond this way. And then today, I think we could say that we are challenged to show God's goodness. We are to show the goodness of God. How? By our faith being made visible. By our faith going to work. I wonder as we read through the passage, if, if one particular verse maybe jolted you, I think there's one that for most of us, if you've been in church any length of time or, or a Christian, verse 24, when you read, uh, you see a person's justified by works and, and not by faith alone. And you think, hang on, James, what, uh, what do you mean? That doesn't seem to fit with, with what we understand of the gospel. Uh, well, I hope by uh, the end of our time together this morning, we, we aren't going to blush at this passage uh, and that also we wouldn't be confused by it, that we're just left scratching 
our head. And as we see the, the context of the whole argument James is making here, I don't think he's saying anything different than he says elsewhere in the letter, than the Apostle Paul says in his letters, or even the Lord Jesus says to his disciples. Now, as we work through the passage this morning, I want to approach it like a maths problem. Um, now, children or adults, for that matter, before you say, <laughs> right, maths and me, no thanks, I'm, I'm out of here. Um, this is what I mean. Often, when you get a maths problem, you can work it out in your head and you just write the answer. But sometimes you have a, a test or an exam and they say, you must show your work, right? I, I know you can get the answer, but I want to see how you got it. Well, if we think and look at this passage, verse 14 is the question and verse 26 is James's answer. And then everything in the middle is James showing his work. Uh, we could read verse 14 and 26, right? What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? That's, that's the question James wants to answer. Can this faith save him? Answer, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Uh, no, is, is his answer. No, it can't. Uh, but he doesn't just leave us with a question and answer. He shows his work, uh, how he arrived at his answer. Now, before we look at the work James gives to us here in these verses, I think it's helpful if we just think carefully about the question he's asking. What is James comparing and contrasting in this passage? Maybe we look at it and think, well, he's talking about works or faith. But we're, we're sort of being careless at how we're looking at it because that isn't what he's contrasting. Right? Nowhere in the passage does James say, these people claim works save you and these people claim Faith save you. So the issue is faith that saves and faith that is doesn't save. Faith that is living and faith that is dead. Faith that is useless and faith that works. Right, James's beef wasn't with some people who were saying, well, uh, we're saved by works, not faith. They're all saying we're saved by faith. His issue is what faith saves. So again, he says it in verse 14, can that faith save him? And, and he's speaking of this faith that professes, they say they have faith, but is a faith that is without works. It is a profession like my support of Leeds United, but it is empty. Uh, we're going to hear a lot about faith this morning. So at the start, I thought it might be helpful just to, to make sure we're all on the same page. Well, what, what does that word mean, to say you have faith? And, and in the simplest terms, it's to say that we are resting wholly and only on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done. We're not trusting in what we have done, but in what he has done. Uh, and James reminds us, if you go back to the beginning of chapter 2, he says, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Right, so it is faith in Christ to save us and make us right with God. So whether you profess faith in Jesus already, or if you don't yet profess faith in him, this is an invitation to everyone that we rest on Christ to find peace and forgiveness with God. It doesn't matter your age 
your nationality, your background, sort of your life CV, Christ invites us to him in faith, to rest on him, to receive from him life, forgiveness, satisfaction, being brought into the family of God. And if you come to the Lord Jesus in faith, according to James, your life will never be the same. But again, the question this morning isn't, do my works save me, but is my faith alive? Okay, and James helpfully shows his work for us. And as he shows his work, he gives us two different sets of examples. Now, the work he shows are two examples of dead faith or faith without works, and then two examples of living faith or faith that is at work. So we'll briefly look at each of these examples and then uh, make sure we understand what he is and isn't saying. Uh, so two examples of dead faith. The first is useless words faith. Now, this is in verses 15 to 17. Right? They say, go in peace, be warm and be filled, but they don't do anything to help. They are words, but to the one in need, they are useless. Useless words faith. This is the profession that is empty. A few years ago, we had the 2021 census, uh, and part of the questions on that, and I think 94% of the people answered this question, is what is your religion? Uh, you don't need to, to call out, but I want you to think, how many people, this is England and Wales, what percentage do you think said they are Christian? So just, and I don't know if it's a hint or not, it's the lowest it's ever been, um, but what percentage, if you were to guess, said they were Christian? Uh, the official statistic is 46.2% of people in England and Wales said, yes, I am Christian. So, do you think that's true? That means that as we leave our worship service today and go to our neighborhoods, go to the shops, go to school, go to work, that roughly one in every two people you bump into is a Christian. There is a faith that professes, has words, but they are empty and useless. This faith, faith may, may talk a good talk, but it has no hands and feet. It is nothing more than words. So that's the first example James gives as he shows his work. There is useless words faith. Uh, the second example he gives is useless doctrine faith. This is verses 19 to 20. You believe God is one? <laughs> Brilliant. You do well. Even the demons believe that. All right, it professes to believe the right doctrine, but that doctrine makes no difference in the way they live. <clears throat> right, James here is referring back to uh, Deuteronomy, where Moses is sort of charging the people before, they, uh, before he leaves and before they enter the promised lands. And famous uh, verses, Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. That's what James is referring back to. And James doesn't give the rest of that passage. And I'm not going to read it, but I'll summarize. Maybe, maybe different parts of it come to mind, but I'll summarize what he says. There's this profession, the Lord, the Lord our God is one. And then he goes on to say, 
love the Lord your God with everything in you, all that you are. Uh, he goes on to say that you need to teach these commandments to your children. He goes on to say that you need to speak about these all the time, whether you're sat down, stood up, or walking along the roads. Uh, and you need to make sure that you never forget them. Right? It is a living and working profession, a living and working faith. It's not empty repetition, uh, which it seems to be some here had. So those are the two examples as James shows his work. Here's, here's two examples of faith that is useless. Words and doctrine that make no difference. And James then turns positively to say, let me give you two examples of faith that works, of living faith. Uh, the first of these is Abraham in verses 21 to 24. And we're going to come back to some of these verses in, in the way that James phrases things. But look at verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? If, if we could sort of put it succinctly, we would say Abraham believed and Abraham offered. Right. Abraham's faith was made visible by his obedience to God. So that's the first example of living faith. Here's, here's a guy that believed and he obeyed God. Uh, and then James gives a second example in verse 25. In the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? And if we were to go back to the book of Joshua, we'd see this account where the spies are sent into Jericho before the people are entering the land, and Rahab shelters them. She protects them from the authorities and sends them back on their way. So we could say this about Rahab. She believed and she protected. Her faith was made visible by her, her service to the church. Okay, so these two examples that James gives of living, working faith, show it in obedience to God and in service to the church. So two negative examples, faith that is useless, and two positive examples, faith that works. And then James concludes, faith without works is dead. It's not alive. It's not saving. That's sort of the... the equation, as it were, in the work that James shows. But my guess is that you still have some questions. Well, why does he say things the way he says them? Why does he phrase things the way he does, particularly as he's talking about Abraham and Rahab? How does this relationship between faith and works work? What exactly is James saying? Uh, well, before we think about what exactly he's saying, let's clarify some things he's not saying. Okay, just to make sure we're uh, heading in the right direction. Uh, two things James is not saying as we read this. First, James is not saying that works produce faith. As if he's saying, do enough works and then faith is the result. You're saved. Right, did you notice back in verse 18, there's this sort of hypothetical um, debate Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And then what does what is the uh, thing said here? I will show you my faith by my works. So it's, it is faith on display. It isn't works 
achieving faith, but faith is already present and works flow from it. Faith is a gift given to us. It isn't something we achieve or, or work towards. Children, I wonder if, if, as I've been talking, you've been thinking, where is this guy from? Um, Leeds, anybody? Uh, no, I'm not from Leeds. Uh, I am from Texas originally. And uh, I don't know what I sound like, but, but not from Leeds. So I grew up in Texas uh, until, well, until my, well, Texas, California, up into my 20s. Now, would you believe me if I told you I'm a British citizen? I come from America. Uh, Would you believe me? Well, for any doubters out there, I could pop home and grab my British passport and come and show you. Say, yes, I am a British citizen. Now, does showing you my passport make me a British citizen? Is that the moment? Oh, now you are. No, I already was one. All I'm doing is showing you the reality of that truth. How do I show you that I'm a British citizen? Well, I'll show you my passport. That isn't producing my citizenship, it's flowing from it. And so James says, our works don't produce faith, they flow from it, They they show it. Uh, Nor is James saying that we should work without faith. James isn't a moralist. Just behave. Faithless works do not save, just as workless faith is not genuine. It's not, well, just do lots of works and you'll be okay. Again, James says, I will show you my faith by my works. Not I'll show you how good a person I am. Or I'll show you how wonderful I am. I will show you my faith, he says. So then what is James saying about faith and works? What does he say about it? Well, I think probably the simplest way as we read through this passage that we could say it is this. There is only one way someone's faith can be seen, can be made visible. Verse 18, I will show you my faith by my works. The faith that justifies, the the, the faith that unites us to Christ can only be seen by what it does. I think that's what James is saying. And think about it. If, If we were to say, show me your faith. But, but don't show me anything you do. Well, there's nothing to show. We don't have a, a little light that, that goes off on our forehead, I have faith, or a little sign that hovers above us, this one, he's got faith. So as, as James is working through his argument, he, he repeatedly talks about being shown and seeing. Right? He, he's using right, I language, verse 18, Show me your faith apart from your works. I will show you my faith. Verse 20, do you want to be shown? Do you want to see this? Verse 22, you see. Verse 24, you see. He's, he's talking all about what, we are, what is before us and what we are seeing, what we are being shown and what we are seeing. 
I think particularly as we look at verses 22 and 24, where he's using the language of justification and what we see, that is perhaps the most helpful thing we can do is to take James literally. How do you see someone's justified? How how do you observe that someone is justified by faith that works? Verse 22, we see Abraham's faith completed or filled out, as it were, by his works. His faith and his works are an inseparable team. And then verse 24, we see that a person is shown to be righteous by what they do. You see that a person is justified by, right, we, we... we see it by what they do. Otherwise, it's invisible. We don't see it. Now, one pastor put it this way. The principle is that the person who is counted righteous by faith will do what is righteous. Sort of as a summary of verse 22 and 24. Or to say it another way, faith works. Faith goes to work. And so James, in wanting us to not be double-minded or divided, says, show the goodness of God through what you do. Make your faith visible. Our Confession of Faith, uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith, summarizes it this way. I found this really helpful. Maybe you think, Michael, you should have just started with this and and closed in prayer. Uh, This is uh, 11.2 in the Westminster Confession. It says, faith... Receiving and resting on Christ and his righteousness is the only instrument of justification, of being made right with God. Yet, it is not the only grace in the person justified, but is always accompanied by all other saving graces. And then it says this, justifying faith is not dead, but works by love. Faith that is genuine and true and saving works itself out. It it displays itself. It's made visible. Now, we've seen each week, James is is hard-hitting. He's he's punching us in the nose. And maybe there are some here this morning that need to be punched in the nose. As James calls out dead and useless faith. Perhaps you, you, you profess to be a Christian. The, the verse 14 professor, you say you have faith. But as anyone might observe your life, that there isn't anything to say that it's real, that it's a lie. I would just plead with you, don't ignore what God is saying through James. He's saying that faith doesn't save. But there's going to be some, maybe, maybe many here this morning that, that don't need to be punched in the nose, but need to be comforted. You have a faith and your faith works, but it doesn't work perfectly. If 
you're anything like me, we are all guilty of a life of faith that often sounds better than it is and believes better than it lives. Can I encourage you? I I think that reality fits with this passage and what James is saying to us. He's telling us faith works. He isn't telling us faith is faultless and perfect. James isn't having a go at you saying you're not perfect. How dare you claim to have faith? He isn't having a go at you saying you're not faultless. How can you say you believe? Not at all. And isn't that the glory of the gospel? That failing people full of faults and sin can have a faith that saves. Because it's not, well, how good of a job have you done this week? How strong has your faith been this week? How perfectly visible has it been this week? Did you notice the examples James gave of living faith? Abraham. Uh, It's early in the year. Maybe you've started a Bible reading through the year thing. I've been in Genesis. Abraham wasn't brilliant lots of the time, right? He he had his his peak moments, but he also had his really not peak moments. You read the life of Abraham, you find a life that is full of faults, failures, sins, mistakes, and at times faith with serious wobbles. His faith was active, but he was not perfect. His faith was in no way flawless. And then James, I think, makes it explicitly clear to us as how does he identify Rahab, the one who helped the spies? Well, she's the prostitute. We only need to read a couple pages into the Bible to see that the history of God's people is a history full of blemishes. And you and I get to join that company. You might think about it a little bit like learning to drive. It seems like there's a lot of driving tests happening in the church right now. Maybe you, if you remember when you learned or if you're with someone who's learning, the experience of learning to drive, what, what happens? Generally, early on, there's, there's lurching yeah, maybe sort of getting your, your neck brace on. Uh, the car stalls and maybe rolls to a stop and putters out. Right, you're driving far from perfectly, right? Far from smooth, but you're driving. And I think that's the point James wants us to get. You don't have to drive the smoothest clutch control in the world to be a Christian, but you have to be driving Lurch, stall, do whatever, but drive. You must be driving, James says. Right, and the glory of the gospel isn't, again, the perfection of our faith or our lives, but it's about the perfect life and faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our hope is not in our flawless faith, but in Jesus' flawless faith, right? Our hope isn't that my faith is going to work perfectly all the time. It rarely does. But Jesus' faith worked perfectly his entire life, never once messing up.
right? And, and, and where do we see the expression of that most clearly? Well, that in faith and faithfulness as he goes to the cross to endure the judgment that, that you and I deserve. As he hangs and suffers in our place, he assures us that we can have salvation in him. And our faith works, but not perfectly. But our faith is in the one who lived the Christian life, as it were, whose faith was perfect and without fault. And so as we progress in the Christian life, lunging forward like the learner driver, stalling, maybe even rolling backwards a little bit because we forgot to push the brake in. James says, it isn't your performance that is doing it, but it's the one in whom your faith rests, the Lord Jesus Christ. So he encourages us, faith works, but not perfectly. So let us rest in Christ and pursue as Abraham and Rahab a life of obedience to the Lord and service to the church. Let me pray for us and then we'll sing together again. Father, how thankful we are that it isn't our performance uh, that merits us heaven. It isn't that we live the Christian life to such a degree that we earn our way in. But we come with our sin. We come with our wobbly faith. We come with often saying things better than we live, believing things better than we live. But we come to Christ, and in him we find acceptance with you and are brought into your family. So may we rest again on the Lord Jesus this morning, rejoicing in his perfect faith and the work that he has accomplished for us. And we ask this in his name. Amen.